You're listening to the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the world-leading tech incubator, the DMZ. In this podcast, each episode brings in the movers and shakers of the world to cover leadership mentality, tips for business owners, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's your host, Canada's leading podcaster, CPA and business strategist, Robert Gold, managing partner at Bennett Gold LLP. Once again, from high atop the Movers and Shakers Podcast Center in Toronto, live and in the morning, we're way off to the east. I can see Jerry's Nose, Newfoundland. I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner at Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accounts and CPAs in Toronto. Today, this is going to be great. We have a redo. Marie Chevrier is here, CEO and founder, Sampler, sampler sampler.io. Marie, we spoke a while ago. Things have moved along. Welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And I'll tell you why I'm excited. We spoke a couple years ago at the DMZ Business Cast. We've now evolved the format a bit. And you've come a long way. So today, I know Sampler is the leading direct-to-consumer sampling platform. You were aiming for that when we last spoke. You've seen tremendous growth since your inception. You've come along as being listed as one of Canada's fastest-growing startups by Canadian business, and you've given out millions of free samples on behalf of some of the world's most successful consumer brands out there. Let's go back to the beginning. Walk us through your journey of creating Sampler and where the idea came from. So I started my career handing out free product samples um, on street corners and grocery stores. I was basically one of those people that would just give samples to whoever walked by. And I remember back then, you know, thinking there's no way that this could be the most effective way for brands to get their product into the hands or into the mouths of consumers. Fast forward several years, I had the chance to work in digital marketing and eventually worked in VC. And that kind of that concept of digitizing product sampling, making it more targeted, making it more measurable, always stuck with me. So that was 2013 when I finally, you know, decided to take the leap and to start. As far as how it got started, I mean, I always tell people it wasn't like a huge ceremony or anything. It was just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, starting small, getting the first customer, getting the first um, version of the technology up, and and figuring out steps um, along the way. It's been quite the journey now for over seven years. When you talk about digitizing product sampling, that's not clear to people, I don't think, because they think, okay, I'll go online and digital, but how do I get get (laughs) SOAP? So explain the process to us. Yeah, for sure. Good question. So we find consumers online. So if you want free samples, you can go to sampler.io. You can create an account. You tell us about yourself, and we match you with samples from brands that match your lifestyle. So maybe if you have sensitive skin, we'll introduce you to La Roche-Posay, which is an awesome brand. Maybe if you're vegan, you know, we'll introduce you to this amazing uh, vegan cheese called BioLife. And ultimately, you'll say, yes, I want to try this product. From there, um, you'll enter your shipping information, and we will ship you samples directly to home. So you receive them in the safety and comfort of your home. You can try them with your family, and then you can come back to Sampler to give feedback on that product. And it's that feedback that helps brands really build their brands and learn. Almost exactly a year ago, in-person sampling became obsolete overnight. 
with a pandemic. Overnight, you couldn't meet people on the street and hand them soap. So a real opportunity for digital sampling was created, but you'd already created that opportunity and recognized that you were there and ready to jump. I imagine that some of the brands that relied heavily, big brands that relied on in-person interaction, quickly shifted their format. So if you look back now, the upswing that you've experienced in the last year, did that come as a result of what you were doing anyway and your success, or did COVID really give you a kickstart into becoming a unique value proposition? I mean, adoption of any new channel um, takes time, and we had definitely been in that you know, uphill uh, battle of trying to get the market to catch up with our innovation. We'd say like, you know, about maybe 5 to 10% of all samples were being uh, distributed in a more targeted way, leveraging a tool like Sampler. But we were nowhere near to full market adoption, right? So the pandemic definitely brought a ton of attention to our channel, and it forced marketers to consider changing their ways out of it becoming essential, right? So while for a company like ours, that could not be, you know, a better opportunity, traditional product sampling had always been our biggest competitor. So for us to see our entire competitive set all of a sudden completely removed was really, you know, a large opportunity. I'll say... Mm -hmm. Um, we needed to be ready, right? And that's when preparation and opportunity meet themselves, that's when magic happens. I'll tell you an interesting side story. Shortly after we released that episode a couple of years ago, coincidentally, our CA firm was contacted by a firm that does samples in Europe and the UK primarily, but they only sample fragrances. And I had been talking to them. They were thinking, should they come to Canada, what have you? And I said, you know, there's people out here doing this, and maybe you ought to listen to this podcast. So I sent them the link to your show, and they never came to Canada. So I guess, you know, your foot in the door and your opportunity being ready to go, you were a a gazelle at this. But are you familiar with a competitor in the UK that only deals with fragrances? Yes, I think I am. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? I don't think they came here from what I can tell. Yeah. So good on you. If you can put up some challenges and make it a little hard for the competitors to get in a barrier to entry, good for you. So 2020, certainly a year of great success and growth for you. You close, I understand, $4 million round of financing. That is hard. You've raised over 10 so far in equity financing. Really hard. You must spend a lot of time on roadshows and with investors and not spending time as a product developer. You've had a spike, what, 2.2 million users on the platform. So how do you handle this growth? I've always found that you've got to manage growth in order to be successful, and growth alone is not a sign of success. So let's talk about managing growth in a really short period of time. For me, it's always been about pacing growth and and knowing when the opportunity is press go and when it's time to think about things and strategize. For us right now, it's go, go, go. Um, And so one of the big things we're really concentrated on is, is how we grow our team, how we scale our processes really fascinated with the people operations side of building a business. You know, we doubled in headcount. So looking at our trainings, looking at our documentation, looking at our communication, looking at even our org structure, like is you can't have one manager with 12 direct reports. Like it just like those types of things become really important. And yeah, just putting focus on that, hiring great people that have been through that is really, you know, important. As CEO, just kind of 
growing into that role of, you know, I used to potentially be that person that was selling in the front lines, but now I'm actually more sitting in the background making sure that we're developing disciplines to to scale our teams. Let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's a problem that across the country, entrepreneurs, business managers, tech-focused people, they have a problem recognizing when is it time to make the crucial hire. Sure, we can always hire a coder, can always hire a graphic artist, but how do you recognize when it's time to hire management or C-suite people? That is difficult and it's expensive. How did you make those decisions? At one point for us, it came down to the number of direct reports that I had and um, needing to scale that. So I believe that at CEO, you should have no more than probably five direct reports, five to seven maybe. So you need to scale your people. Our executive team, our leadership team has primarily been promoted from within. So it's been very nice to see the group, you know, grow into a leadership position um, from within. We have one leadership team member that was hired uh, for his different skill set and joined um, immediately as on the leadership team, but otherwise everyone's been promoted from within. So that's kind of one of the ways that I guess I got it easier. It's so nice when you can do that. Tell me something. Over the past year with consumers' habits spending habits, sampling habits, everything habits, changing so drastically. I know you're on the road to serve that market, but did you find a need to pivot when all of a sudden people could not do anything the way they used to? You were on a digital path, but did you pivot at all as the world changed? So we didn't pivot because our vision was right on with where this market has gone. Uh, the market is moving to e-commerce. The market is looking to discover products in home more than they have in store now. People are really curious about products. So all of the trends that on the consumer side and on the brand side have been pointing to our digitization. Having said that, our go-to-market strategy this year definitely accelerated. We looked at how can we develop partnerships with people that can help accelerate our growth, how can we take as much advantage of this great opportunity in our market? Um, so we we didn't pivot, but we definitely thought very strategically about how we can accelerate our go-to-market strategy. If we talk about your development as an entrepreneur, at some point in time you thought, I can do this better. You're in digital marketing. I've done handing out products and soap on street corners. At some point, you woke up and said, I can do it better, and I am going to do it better. So was there one thing in particular that you thought, I'm doing it now? What what led to the jump into becoming an entrepreneur and start this journey? When I first was starting to think about this, I had a multitude of conversations with potential customers, and every single time, people would say, yeah, there's really no solution for this. Like, I really don't um, haven't heard about a solution for this. All my Google searches, all, like, my different research was just pointing to the fact that just no one had done it. Like, no one had really um, looked at this problem and, and looked to solve it. And I think that that definitely was one of the biggest drivers of why I wanted to get into this space. And the reality is the only thing sitting between you and an opportunity is you starting and being that person and like being that first person that's going to take the leap. And this is not an easy business to build. Like it's a very complex business. There's logistics, there's technology, there's like a really, really 
old industry that's been doing things the same way for a very long time. And so by just getting started and taking that head start, I was already leaps and bounds ahead of anyone who would want to get behind us. So if there's an entrepreneur, a would-be, wannabe entrepreneur out there, they're listening to this podcast, they do have an itch, but they've yet to make the move. What piece of advice would you give them to help them get off of their bench and get out, scratch that itch, and start that business? What would you say? I've always said this, just get started. And that's always been my piece of advice. And I think it's consistent with a lot of entrepreneurs, like what sets us apart from the others is we just took that first step. It sounds so simple, but you could sit there and make excuses all day, all night. I talk to so many entrepreneurs that are like talking to me about challenges or talking to me about reasons not to start. And it's okay. Like we're all going to come across challenges. We should be talking about the challenges and fixing them together. You got to get started. And if you keep staring at only the, the obstacles, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to find the conviction to to do this very long journey. I think that's terrific advice. Take the first step, and I'll tell you what it takes to succeed. Once you take that first step, it's what I like to call two P's and an F, passion, perseverance, and focus, all of which I know you have, all of which all successful entrepreneur and business owners have, passion, perseverance, and focus. I was doing a presentation once to a group of graduating business students, and I put a, what do you think this stands for? F stands for fun. So I said, well, now it's two P's and two F's because you better have some fun. Let's talk about diversity and inclusion. I know that they are core pillars at Sampler, and I know that you consider one of your proudest achievements is having built an inclusive, diverse, and a gender-balanced workplace, which people seem to strive for that's so hard to hit. What does having an inclusive and diverse workplace really mean to you, Marie? For me, it's building a group that comes from various different backgrounds and opinions and experiences experiences. And that in itself just makes us so much more competitive in building products because we are building products for consumers and consumers are diverse. (laughs) And so it kind of feels to me like a no-brainer that when you're in the business of building a product that people will buy, which is pretty much every business out there, that you would want to build a team that's is representative of who you're selling to, right? So for me, it's making sure that you're you're making room for people of every background, every story to join and room for them to shine, driven people and seeing them shine is just the best, most rewarding thing ever. <laughs> so tell me why there's a strong business case for diversity. Because it's been shown time and time again that diverse teams drive greater results, whether that's revenue, whether that's better products. It's been shown time and time again. And I love your point that your team should reflect your customers. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I want to go back a bit to our last conversation, and I want you to talk about this from the perspective now, a couple years later. At one point in time, Amazon had said they're going into the sampling business. You were kind of looking over your shoulders, and I know your comment to me at the time was it legitimized the business. But let's talk again for a second. How did you feel when you heard that that global competitor might be nipping at your heels? Was that a real concern? Like I would have said then, I think like the first five minutes was like, oh my God, this is scary. And then I took it all in and I said, you know what? Here's a giant about to help me accelerate 
my mission of bringing sampling to be a more targeted and measurable channel. It quickly it felt like opportunity, and it did. I mean, in the last two years, the conversion of brands to digital has been huge, and certainly even more in the last year. But when Amazon got to market, it really did accelerate. Now, one update is that largely Amazon came out of the market a year into it. We actually released last year that the program was unsuccessful. And the reason that it was unsuccessful was because consumers were not opting in to this program. So let's say I'm buying diapers, and a week later I receive um, a baby product of some sort, right, because my purchase history is showing that maybe I'm expecting. Well, that was not information that consumers had actually self reported and they felt that that was using the words of that article creepy and potentially like really impeding on their privacy so you know from our perspective all of our data is self-declared it's things that consumers have told us it's not things we're assuming and that just reinforced some of the features of our platform you know that's a really interesting comment and a really interesting lesson you can't just give people things for free and think they'll be happy about it yeah. Not at all. Not at all. All right. I don't want you to give away any trade secrets, and we promise we won't tell anybody, but what's next? You've been doing fabulous <laughs> the last number of years, so what's next? We're really focused on the power of the data that we've collected. You mentioned 2.2, or actually it's 2.5 million users who are sharing with us lots of information, whether it's where they shop, the products they're interested in, and then also giving us feedback on those products. And we are really helping manufacturers now, brands understand deeply what the feedback is. So launching lots of machine learning, machine learning features that are going to be really exciting for research teams, for e-commerce teams, for brand marketers, in how they can build their brands from that feedback. I love that. The data from those people will be phenomenal for you to build upon. Can you share with us how deep your global reach is? I don't even know what countries you serve besides Canada. <laughs> Can you share that with us? Yeah, we've we've done work in 25 countries wow. to date. I'd say the strongest market is definitely the U.S. and then Canada. But we've done great work in the U.K., France, Germany. Um, those would be kind of our top five. Well, I wonder, don't answer, but I wonder if you're doing fragrances in the U.K. Don't answer. <laughs> Okay, my, yeah, fa- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of this show are rapid-fire questions, and people write us in with these questions. So you ready? In-store or online shopping? Online shopping. Yeah, who doesn't? Favorite meal? Um, oh, boy, tacos. <laughs> tacos. Cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. First real job? Um, real job would have been flipping burgers. Is that the real job? Yeah, it's a real job. Yeah. Are, you, are you a sampler <laughs> customer? Of course. I receive a sample box every month. And what are your top three favorite samples that you receive? Um, the top would be um, Explore Cuisine's um, chickpea pasta. Second <clears throat> would probably be Flourish Pose Toleranne, which is a great moisturizer. And um, just recently received a really yummy RX bar. All right. What are you reading now? I'm reading How to Be Anti-Racist. Are you reading it on a book or are you reading on a Kindle? Book. What podcast are you currently listening to? 
Well, yours, obviously. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse, I'll be honest. That's like my new podcast. What do you miss most about life 2019 and earlier? The office culture, the in-person office. Oh, I reflect that. What is one of the things that you would put on your bucket list right off the top of your head? Uh, my husband and I want to go to Thailand and do like some backpacking. Favorite city? London. How do you clear your head? Meditation. Best part about being a founder? The team and seeing people grow. Can you name one business you don't think will be here in five years? Oh, that's a tough one. I hope plastic bags. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> I like it. Okay, let's have a commercial. Where can people find you, learn more about Sampler, socials, websites? Give us your commercial. If you want free samples, you can go to sampler.io. If you want to connect with me, do connect with me on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time there and love to connect there. And you can follow Sampler on pretty much every social media. So do that. And uh, everybody go and sign up for a Sampler box. I love the website. The front page of the website in nice big print says, Experience products from the comfort of your own home. Marie Chevrier, CEO and founder, Sampler, Sampler.io. Thank you for being a guest on the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Until next time, I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accountants and CPAs in Toronto. If you want to know what a great CPA firm can do for your accelerating business, check us out at bennettgold.ca. See you next time in the morning, everyone, and good night. Jerry's Nose, Newfoundland. And that's a wrap for this episode of the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit us at dmz.ryerson.ca for more tips and tools designed to support your business. Until next time.